Welcome to another message from Rama Australia, recorded at our 2015 Impact Conference with the ministry of Mark and Trina Hankins. You can follow the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au forward slash media. First Timothy 6 verse 12 and um, begins with the word fight. Begins with the word fight. And he says, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. So he says, uh, if you're going to live by faith and walk by faith, then you're going to have to fight. You've got to know how to fight. You even have to have the will to fight. You even have to know what kind of fight a faith fight is. Because if you get in the wrong fight, then you won't be in the faith fight. <laughs> so he says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto you are called. And he says, where you have professed a good profession before many witnesses. So he says, fight the good fight of faith. Well, you know anything about American history you know that uh, Abraham Lincoln was kind of an American hero and um, Abraham Lincoln had many uh, stories that he liked to tell one of the stories he liked to tell about the village he was raised in was that uh, there was a man in the village that had a little dog that could whip all the big dogs and so they asked the man how come your little dog can whip all the big dogs so the man said well actually your big dog is not ready to fight until the fight is half over and my little dog stays mad <laughs> that means his little dog constantly had an attitude always ready to fight if you know anything about American history, you know the Civil War. Abraham Lincoln actually saved the Union and the Emancipation Proclamation to let the slaves go free, which changed our nation forever. And his biggest problem in the Civil War was that the North, the Yankees, the North had all the resources and all the factories and all the money and all the people, but he could not get a general that had the will to fight. He had generals that loved to organize stuff. One of his best generals, McClellan, he was a great organizer, had a marching everywhere, but he never could get McClellan to attack the South. He loved to get the, the, uh, the, the spoils of being a general and had all kinds of fancy food delivered to the camp and all the tents were all beautiful and, and uh, the soldiers marched just right. But Abraham Lincoln had to finally get rid of McClellan because he did not have the will to fight. So when it comes to having all the equipment, it's wonderful that God has equipped us, but sometimes in a fight you just need somebody who wants to fight who has the will to fight. And uh, in any battle, your will to fight, your desire. So in fighting the fight of faith, once you understand the purpose and the cause for the fight, then it makes you have the will to fight. So he says, fight the good fight of faith. So he says, if you're going to 
live by faith, you're going to have to fight. Sometimes there's a fight for your future, a fight for your health, a fight for the blessing of the Lord, a fight for the will of God in your life. But he said, it is a fight, so get ready to fight. Amen. So he says it's a good fight, but he calls it a fight, a real fight, but he said it's a faith fight. If you'll notice Paul really talking to Timothy, Timothy was one of his spiritual sons, and uh, Paul in his letters to Timothy, very interesting how he talked to Timothy. And um, I was reading some about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit, and we know the Scripture's inspired by the Holy Spirit. And uh, in studying the Holy Spirit, um, the, the uh, Greek word is paraclete or parakletos. So I came across William Barclay's commentary of the New Testament, and he actually wrote some very interesting, real simple notes about the work of the Holy Spirit. So I read a few of these Sunday morning. I'll give a few of them to you real quickly here. His comments of a definition of the comforter or the parakletos, the Holy Spirit, or what he does. So I'm going to give you these real quickly here because it has something to do with your fight. He says, number one, the Holy Spirit is one who's called in to render some service. The Holy Spirit is essentially the helper of men. He is one who is called in to help in a situation with which a man by himself cannot cope. So the Holy Spirit, the comforter, Jesus said he's going to move in you, and he has an assignment. He is your helper, and without him, you will not be able to deal with that situation. So we call on the Holy Spirit and many facets of the work of the Holy Spirit. Number two, he says this. He says, the comforter, the paraclete, the kind of comfort and consolation in distress which keeps a man on his feet when left to himself, he would collapse. So in the middle of a fight, you've got a strengthener, a comforter, a helper living in you, and he keeps you from collapsing or from quitting. He goes on and says, it's the kind of comfort which enables a man to pass the breaking point and not to break. In other words, you're dealing with a situation that's bigger than you. He said, but the Holy Spirit enables you to pass the breaking point where everyone else would have had a nervous breakdown. Everyone else, everyone else would have quit. And they say, how do you make it? Amen. The Holy Spirit helps you in that situation so that you would have collapsed, you would have quit. But on the inside of you, you have the comforter, the strengthener, the intercessor, the standby, the greater one. And when you yield to him, filled with him, he literally thinks through your mind, speaks through your lips. Amen. And he says the Holy Spirit magnifies Jesus, glorifies Jesus. So without the help of the Holy Spirit, you cannot really see Jesus in his proper um, uh, glorified position, who he is and what he's done. So thank God for the Holy Spirit. Amen. How many of you have ever passed the breaking point and did not break? Hallelujah. Well, if you haven't, then you haven't lived very long. If you live long enough, you may face some situations that you were not expecting, that you were not planning. And you go through that storm and come out on the other side and don't even smell like smoke, you know what I mean, because of the help of the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. 
Amen. So in the fight of faith, I mean, you have the Holy Spirit who's your helper in so many ways. And then he goes on to say this about the Holy Spirit. And it's wonderful, wonderful things he says here about the parakletos in the Greek definition. He says the Holy Spirit, the parakletos, is um, this Greek word has a great background in Greek law. Actually, the word is advocate, advocate or counselor that he would be the counsel for the defense, that he's your advocate in a situation where the devil is your accuser, the Holy Spirit would be your advocate. I always like to say that he has never lost a case if he can get his client to listen to him. <laughs> Amen. P.C. Nelson said, just so that you can remember, P.C. Nelson said three major characteristics of the paraclete or the advocate or the counselor is number one, exceptional knowledge, number two, expertise in protocol and procedure, and number three is persuasive speaking ability. In other words, the Holy Spirit will always give you fighting words in a fight of faith. Because you'll have to win the war of words if you're going to win the fight of faith. Paul told Timothy, he said, you take these prophecies that have been spoken over you and do warfare with these words. Amen. Are y'all still here? God never just gives you a prophecy so you can say that's interesting. He said, you take that and fight with it. Amen. Amen. So the Holy Spirit will always bring to your remembrance or he'll give you inspired utterance or he'll give you fighting words concerning your future and, and your destiny, the will of God or the blessing of God. The Holy Spirit, he says three characteristics. He has exceptional knowledge. So I always say uh, that means you'd never hire an attorney that's dumber than you are. So you have the Holy Spirit who has exceptional knowledge. My dad always said he's a genius. If you listen to him, he'll make you look smart. And we know you're not that smart. But if you have a genius, the Holy Spirit, number one, he has exceptional knowledge. I always tell people it would be a terrible thing to have a genius living in you and you be doing all the talking. Come on, at some point you want to stop and let the Holy Spirit check you on what ought to be said or what not ought to be said or how it ought to be said. All right, number one. He has exceptional knowledge. Number two, he has expertise in protocol or procedure. He'll actually give you the battle plan, protocol, procedure that is necessary to win that battle. Protocol procedure simply means even though you may be able to win your case, if you're going to go into a court, you'll have to follow the protocol of that court to win that case. So the Holy Spirit many times will tell you how to act. Obviously, some people don't know how to act. The Holy Spirit will tell you how to act. If you just listen to him, I mean, it's amazing. He'll say, eh, how to act. Amen. And if you ignore him, come on, you're just not going to look that smart. I mean, you've got a genius living in you, so you don't want to ignore him. You go, eh, how am I supposed to act? Protocol. Some of the protocol I've noticed the Holy Spirit giving me would simply be, uh, he would say, uh, get down on your knees. Remember Ephesians 3, where Paul said, I bow down on my knees. Well, that don't mean every time you pray you have to get down on your knees, but sometimes that might be protocol. The Holy Spirit would say, now's a good time for you to get on your knees. Humble yourself. 
right? So you bow down. Paul said, I bow down on my knees. Well, that doesn't mean he pray. Every time he prayed, he's on his knees. But there may be times the Holy Spirit will prompt you to say, this is a good time for you to get on your knees. So you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. He will exalt you in due season. Amen. There's only one kind of people that says God resists. He resists the proud. So people say, well, God's not your problem. Well, he might be. If he resists the proud. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I said he resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. And God can't give you grace without you knowing it. When his grace hits you, you're like, whoo, something supernatural has hit me. Well, in protocol or procedure, sometimes the Holy Spirit would say, humble yourself. Get down. Bow down before the Lord. You humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. But the Bible also says we humble ourselves to those who are over us in the Lord. Then he says we humble ourselves to those who are around us. Right? Amen. And so we humble ourselves. So the Holy Spirit would just simply be saying, um, stay little in your own eyes. Prefer others ahead of yourself. I don't know, this may not be a shouting message, I suppose. But that, that, would, be, that would be the proper protocol. Are y'all still here? Come on, the protocol for your promotion will come from the Holy Spirit. Because he knows how you and I ought to act in the house of God, among the brethren, in the church of God, and how we ought to act, come on, in our daily life. The Holy Spirit will give us protocol. Other protocol, I've had times the Holy Spirit would say, now lift your hands up and praise the Lord. And I'd say, well, I'm not at church. He said, it's protocol. So I'd be in my room. i lift my hands up. Lord, I worship you. You say, well, do I have to lift my hands? Well, you don't have to win the case. But if you want to win your case, Holy Spirit said, that's protocol. (laughs) So you'll find the psalmist David said, I lift up my hand. Paul said, I lift up holy hands to God. Amen. So you may not know all the reasons for it. Come on. But if you want to win the case, you go, I lift my hands up to you, Lord. Right? Amen. Well, I found other times protocol would be something like the Holy Spirit would tell me, go ahead and rejoice right now. Well, I may have been praying, and sometimes I'd pray for two or three hours and study, and Holy Spirit would say, well, go ahead and rejoice. And I'd say, you know, I, I'm, I'm way too spiritual for that right now. <laughs> the Holy Spirit would say, rejoice. Rejoice. So then I'd have to go ahead, don't feel like it, don't have the band playing. I'd go, have to go ahead and just rejoice. Come on, just act like the victory is mine. He said, that's protocol. He said, I'm going to show you how to act. Thank you for your enthusiasm, all right? So the Holy Spirit has expertise in protocol and procedure. All right. Number three, the Holy Spirit, P.C. Nelson said that concerning a paraclete or an advocate or counselor, number one, exceptional knowledge. Number two, expertise in protocol procedure. And then number three is persuasive speaking ability. Persuasive speaking ability. That means to win the fight, come on, the Holy Spirit is going to light your mouth up. 
with confessions and declarations and prophecy and inspired utterance and singing. In other words, per persuasive speaking ability. That means the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us utterance. Amen. Not just in our preaching and teaching, but in everyday life. That he, he actually will prompt us, you need to say this. Amen. So now let me go back to this. Because it says the Holy Spirit in Greek law, the paraclete, he says he is, now as our advocate, we're looking at several characteristics of him. He said he is um, uh, the prisoner's friend. The advocate and the counsel for the defense, he is the one who bore witness to the friend's character when he most needed it. In other words, if you were under attack, the Holy Spirit would be the one that could find one thing you did right and major on it. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Come on now. I mean, how many of y'all ever tend to find the one thing people do wrong and major on that instead of saying, well, let me tell you something they did right. Right? So the Holy Spirit would, would not negate 40 years of obedience because of one year of disobedience. While you're majoring on the one year of somebody got in a mess, the Holy Spirit says, let me talk to you about 39 years. He's the kind of advocate you like. Thank you for your enthusiasm again. I said the Holy Spirit is your kind of advocate that you like. You know, he's going to major on what he can do to win that case. Right? So he's the counsel for the defense. He bore witness to, to your character, your, your best qualities. And he says uh, when you most needed it. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Come on, when you most needed a friend, what a friend. What a friend. I said, what a friend. Come on, God help all of us to be the kind of friend that the Holy Spirit would have us to be. To find something good to say. Amen? And it says, when others wish to condemn you or condemn you, he says, therefore... When we, uh, when we need it, the Holy Spirit actually describes, since the word advocate is used, he said, actually, the word for Jesus is we have an advocate with the Father. He said, therefore, the glorified Christ is also our parakletos, and he is there in the presence of God to speak for us to God. So you have an advocate in heaven, and you have an advocate in your heart. Praise the Lord. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. I mean, I always kind of look at the, the God's plan, and I kind of like to see a bigger picture sometimes and think about how God said, okay, we're going to redeem man, you know, and we're, we're going to, Jesus going to die for me, raise for the dead, and redeem them, and give them eternal life, you know, make them righteous and all that, right? And then God still looks at our condition and says, um, I think we're going to have to send the Holy Spirit. Come on, the third person of the Godhead. I think they're still going to need him to move in. 
come on and they're discussing in heaven. Say, well, how long do you think they'll need him? He goes, mm, I've been watching them. I think they'll need him forever. And I know you're perfect in Christ and all that stuff and righteous and all that stuff, um, but without the help of the Holy Spirit. Come on. I said, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. I mean, no, he's the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. All right, come on. We're still talking about fighting now. So the Holy Spirit now... <laughs> and uh, he says the, the Greek word parakletos, now the word paraklein, which is used, he said it's the word, and here's this, because this will be interesting for every preacher or teacher or minister. He said the paraklein is the word, and he said here's the word for exhorting men to noble deeds and to high thoughts. In other words, he said the paraklete in his in his uh, function would exhort men to do noble things and lift them out of lower thoughts into higher thoughts. Interesting, isn't it? He said, it is especially the word for courage before battle. He said, and the one who makes us able to stand up to the opposing forces to cope with life and to conquer life is the Paracletos, the Holy Spirit, who is none other than the presence and the power of the risen Christ. All right, so he says, he says life is always calling us into battle. Come on, some of you had a fight in your mind before you ever left your bedroom. That's not a word of knowledge. That's just experience. <laughs> Come on, all kinds of thoughts coming against you. But the Holy Spirit will help you win every fight. Amen. So he says, life's always causing the battle, but the one who makes us able to stand up to the opposing forces and cope with life and conquer is the Holy Spirit, who is none other than the presence and the power of the risen Christ living in you. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Come on, y'all just have a session where you thank God for the Holy Spirit. You say, thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. Just at the right time, he strengthened me. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. I have a minister friend that I've been friends with him for many years on the board of his ministry. He has a very large church. And uh, he said uh, uh, in his ministry probably 10 or 15 years ago, I can't remember exactly, um, he had a, a you know, private a jet. He sold the jet, and he was using, uh, uh, renting a private plane, and didn't know that it had some problems. So his pilot was flying uh, some of his staff members to one of his meetings, including his own daughter, and the plane crashed and killed everybody on the plane. So his own daughter, who was just a great young lady, full of faith and preaching and teaching, and she died in that plane crash. His youth pastor died in that plane crash. So I went to the funeral service. Many other ministers there went to the, the funeral service. And um, he said, uh, he said, Mark, I would have lost my mind if it hadn't been for the Holy Spirit. 
You can't explain why that happened. You don't even want to try to explain why it happened. You just got to get past it. You got to go on. He said, I don't know how I would have made it, except I prayed in other tongues every day, and the Holy Spirit strengthened me so I did not have a nervous breakdown. Oh, my, think about that. And now 10 years later, his church is still growing and multiplying, and people are saved every week and filled with the Holy Spirit every week. Come on, life sometimes can deal you some situations that you didn't know it was going to happen that way, but the Holy Spirit will strengthen you in the middle of that. He said, actually, nothing else helped me but praying in the Holy Spirit. Every day he said, I prayed in the Holy Spirit, and I did not have a nervous breakdown. Think about that. No matter what has happened to you in your life, come on, no matter what you've been going through in your life, no matter trying to figure out why that happened to you, instead, just yield to the Holy Spirit who's your advocate and yield to him in your prayer life and begin to pray in the Spirit and pray in other tongues and uh, allow the Holy Spirit in his defense for you to win your case. The Holy Spirit's always involved in speaking. I like to say this, the anointing always has words in it. You say, what do you mean the anointing always has words in it? My daddy said the Holy Spirit never anoints you just to make you look good. The anointing always has words in it. Actually, I like to say that's why David ran at Goliath and was talking trash to him. It was because the prophet poured the anointing on his head and he actually lost his mind. <laughs> I mean, when you're anointed, you can forget your limitations and you'll run at some giants when the anointing comes on. That's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Think about the Holy Spirit in, in, in fighting words and in speaking the fundamental uh, exercise of our faith. And so when you pray in other tongues, come on, you're filled with the Holy Spirit, and the first thing the Holy Spirit wants to get a hold of is your tongue. So God, in his big plan, looked at you and said, somehow we're going to have to get a hold of that tongue. Come on, because your tongue's flapping all kinds of directions. Huh? Did you know if you'll pray in the other tongues every day, it'll help you control your tongue? Because he said no man can tame that thing, but the Holy Spirit can tame it. Thank you for your enthusiasm. So now the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Come on, we're in a fight. I said, we're in a fight. Paul said, you, you must be aware of your adversary and must be aware of the situation you're in. Right? And so he says, the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us courage when we face a fight. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. I said, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Come on, that's a good reason just to thank God right there. Say, thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. I never would make it without the Holy Spirit. I mean, the Holy Spirit just keeps working with me and working with me. I always say, even if you're a slow learner, the Holy Spirit will work with you until you get it. He never gives up on you. Jesus said he's going to stick with you forever. 
You never have to wonder if he's there. You get up in the morning, look in the mirror and say, Holy Spirit, I know you're in there. Don't act like you're not in there because I know you're in there. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit's not only a genius, he's a gentleman, which means he will not interrupt you without your permission. Come on, the moment you yield to him and say, Holy Spirit, I need your help right now. I want you to rise up on the inside of me. I want you to give me direction. I want you to give me guidance. I want you to think through my mind. I want you to speak through my lips. I want you to magnify Jesus. I want you to use me however you want to use me today. I want you to help me. Come on, to walk in the God kind of love all day long. Come on, because the love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Come on, imagine while you're criticizing somebody that the Holy Spirit would actually come to their defense. And you think you're right. And you could be right and still be wrong. Thank you for your enthusiasm again. In other words, the Holy Spirit... All right, well, we better move on. I see y'all not even enjoying this. But the Holy Spirit, come on now, will come as an advocate. Amen? Counsel for the defense. You never have to wonder whose side he's on. You never have to wonder. Say, now, who are you working for? In other words, he came to help you. He's on your side. You don't have to worry about him switching to the other team. Thank you for your enthusiasm this morning. <laughs> Sit back down. All right, now. Let me finish this part. The Holy Spirit, the parakletos, or the paraklein, is the wor Greek word that is used for exhorting troops who are about to go to battle. Exhorting troops. That means if you were yielded to the Holy Spirit, you would be the best encourager in your church. All right, let me try that again. I said if you were filled with the Holy Spirit, you would be the greatest encourager in your church. Every, every pastor would love to have you in church because you always find something good to say and say it. Now, I don't know this guy here very well. His wife, I'm sure, knows him better than I do. But I can tell you this. I sure like the way he responds to the Word. Praise I like the Word. Praise the Lord, I like the Word. And somebody may say, well, you know, he drives like a maniac. He don't pay attention. And you can't get him to pick his socks up off the floor. But the Holy Spirit say, yeah, but I like the way he responds to the Word of God. Come on, we can deal with the other situation. Are y'all still here? Come on now. So the Holy Spirit. It's amazing how many people think that they're anointed to tear up other people. All right, sit back down. Now, so he says the Holy Spirit 
exhorts troops who are about to go into battle. Listen close. He says, again and again, we find that the Holy Spirit, the paracline, is the word of the rallying call. It is the word used of speeches of leaders and of soldiers who urge each other on. All right, let's try that again. Come on now, listen close. He said that word for the Holy Spirit is the word that is classically used for speeches of leaders towards soldiers who would actually urge each other on to win and to fight, to encourage you in a situation. It is the word used of words which send fearful and timorous and hesitant soldiers and sailors courageously into battle. Come on, people that are hesitant think that maybe they don't have the right stuff. Maybe they can't do it. And the Holy Spirit jumps and says, yes, you do have the right stuff. Yes, you can do it. Paracletos, the Holy Spirit, is therefore an encourager. He's an encourager. People say, well, just nobody encourages me. <laughs> they don't recognize my gift. <laughs> Listen, you just decide you're going to be the encourager. Come on, I had a preacher friend one time, you know, and he was talking about this lady testified, you know, in his church, and she was sitting out at a park, you know, and a guy drove up in a Cadillac with a paper sack and had $3,000 in it and gave that money to her. Man, she was shouting, testifying. I didn't know who that man was. Drove up in that park, gave me a sack with $3,000. Woo, they were shouting. And you know how people think. Not you, of course. But he was thinking, Lord, nobody has ever driven up to me in a park, <laughs> in a Cadillac, and gave me $3,000. I want to know why somebody gave her $3,000 and nobody ever gave me $3,000. <laughs> Come on, that kind of interrupts your rejoicing for the other person's miracle. And the Lord said, because, son, I don't want you to be the one that needs the 3,000. I want you to be the one in the Cadillac that delivers the 3,000. <laughs> Go ahead and laugh for a few minutes. Hallelujah. Ha, ha. So he said, the Holy Spirit, <laughs> the Holy Spirit actually is the one who gives speeches to leaders or soldiers who are facing a battle and helps them have courage to win that fight. So he goes on and says, therefore, the paracletos, the Holy Spirit, he said, is an encourager. He is one who puts courage in the faint-hearted. It's real easy to judge other people when they're faint-hearted. You know, it's real easy for any of us to say, well, I just don't understand why they don't just get over it. It's easy to say that, but sometimes you have not been in the pit that they came out of. 
So rather than you trying to figure out why they don't just get over it, come on, if you were raised the way they were raised, you might be worse off than they are. So instead of saying, why don't they just snap out of it, get out of it, come on, no pastor's ever done that, have you? Come on now, he's like, why don't they just I'm so tired of hearing about it, come on now. Instead of doing that, come on now. Come on, you give courage to people that are faint-hearted. They're about to collapse. Come on, that's your job. You wouldn't even have a job if you can't do that. And just think, you'll never run out of customers. <laughs> people ask you, say, how's your church doing? You say, it is unlimited. I have customers everywhere. <laughs> Come on, it's like the, the, the shoe salesman, you know, that went to the island. They sent, sent, sent a shoe salesman there, and he, he, he sent a message back to the boss, you know, the, for the shoe company. And he said, boss, he said, <laughs> we can't sell no shoes here because everybody's barefooted. So the guy left. So they sent another salesman, and he sent a, a message back to him and said, Boss, we have great potential here. Everyone is barefooted. They all need shoes. Come on, it's just your perspective. I had one preacher that kept criticizing his church members and told me how dumb they were and everything that was wrong with his church members. He is a pastor, and, and um, he said, I just don't understand it. I said, well, they must be attracted to you. I don't know what it is about you that just attracts these kind of people. <laughs> he called me his pastor, so I thought it's a good time to give him a word of wisdom. In other words... <laughs> Instead of being upset, say, the Lord sent me another customer here so that I could encourage them so they will not collapse. Hallelujah. Come on, God doesn't always send you the kind of help that you wished he would. You know, you're like, Lord, I need some help. Then people show up and you go, Lord, I said I need help. I don't need people that need help. I need help. <laughs> Come on, imagine David in the cave of Adullam, you know. Come on, he's having enough trouble, and the Lord sends him 400 people that are distressed, discontent, and in debt. He's like, wow, why do I attract these kind of people? Come on, but when David was finished with them, they became David's mighty man. Hey! <laughs> Come on, you have been given an assignment, but you have the Holy Spirit living in you who is the greatest encourager. So he says, he... <laughs> puts courage in the faint-hearted, and one who nerves the feeble arm for fight. One who makes a very ordinary man cope gallantly with a perilous and dangerous situation. 
very ordinary person. And yet through the power of the Holy Spirit, they become a champion. Think of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Living in each one of us just to be filled with him and to yield to him. Now I think about because I like the military, so I like to study uh, different kinds of wars and different kind of battles. We just came from Vietnam, and we were preaching there in Vietnam. It took one day to go see some of the the um, history of the Vietnam War and different kinds of fights and traps and all kinds of things and tunnels that went, was in Vietnam and the situations our soldiers were facing. Well, I looked at that and you want to see the different major fights Vietnam War. And so you can look at World War II, major fights in World War II. And uh, uh, Douglas MacArthur, one of the heroes of World War II, and uh, he really thought different than other people to identify the fight and the key battles to win, even here, Australia, and I think in Papua New Guinea, and the, the fight against the uh, Japanese that were invading in World War II. And so, Douglas MacArthur is a very unusual man. Actually, he was fighting there in the Philippines, and it looked like they were losing, so the, he was called out of the Philippines, came to Australia, went to the Philippines, and he told him, he said, I, I will not leave these people to fight this battle. We will fight to the last man. Well, they said, you must leave. So under orders he left, came to Australia, and they didn't want to let him go back. He said, before I left the Philippines, I said, I will return, and I am going back there with or without your approval because I left a lot of Philippine soldiers fighting on their own and the American troops went into a, a concentration camps and they were tortured. He said, I will go back. So when he went back to the Philippines, you know, he said, I will return. Famous words, Doug, Douglas MacArthur, I will return. You know, and he's coming back into the Philippines. And they had a network where he could talk to all of the Philippine rebels who were actually hiding out because the Japanese were taking over the island. So he takes a, 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 a speaker on a little radio that goes out into the different villages and areas where they're hiding. And he sends out the message, I'm back, I'm here and we are ready to fight. So arm yourselves, come out of your villages, and we will drive these off of your island and into the sea. And he's just going on and on. I thought, what a great speech. Come on, you may think that's minor, but without him being there and delivering that speech, come on now, it was a rallying call that made them come back out, come on, and won the battle for the Philippines because of a leader, come on now, that gave a speech. Come on, you may feel like you're hiding out somewhere and the enemy might be winning, but I'm here to tell you that God is on your side. Come on, and if he's for you, don't matter who could be against you. If he gave you Jesus, he'll give you everything. Come on, come out and fight for your future. Fight for the will of God for your life. Fight for the blessing of God in your life. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, one of my favorite battles and fights or wars really is the Civil War. Well, I'm from the South, you know, so, you know, I have a few mixed emotions, but absolutely against 
absolutely against slavery and do have a little conflict with Yankees. But, you know, <laughs> not much, just every once in a while. Now, so I'm from the South. Certainly, I'm from Texas, you know, with the Republic of Texas. We're still thinking about pulling out of the United States and becoming our own country. Not a bad idea right now, but anyway, so you can. Once a Texan, always a Texan. Come on, that's the reason I married Trina from Colorado is because Texans literally control Colorado. She'll have something to say about that later. But <laughs> so now she will study the Civil War. So you know, if we're traveling around preaching somewhere, if there's a battle somewhere in Virginia, somewhere we may go to that battleground, see what happened, you know. And so Robert E. Lee actually was the best general in the whole in the whole war. The problem with Robert E. Lee actually was he actually didn't believe in his own cause. He only fought because he is from Virginia, and he refused to fight against the Army of Northern Virginia, which was his own family and friends. So he became the leader for the South, but he did not believe in slavery, nor did he believe in secession from the Union. So Robert E. Lee, I mean, he's tearing the Yankees up. I mean, with less than half of the resources. I mean, he is tearing the North up. Every battle they're fighting. I mean, you can see the genius of a great general and the moves that he made to win certain battles that actually they just say, this is the genius of Robert E. Lee until he got to Gettysburg. Mm, man. So at Gettysburg, wow, several things were wrong at Gettysburg. Gettysburg one was that the guy who was in the Calvary that's supposed to be helping him actually disappeared. He kind of got out of his place and he got out of his place and he so he could not he didn't know what was happening with the north, the movements in Gettysburg, what's going on, how many of the troops were. And so his cavalry man is running around doing his own little skirmishes and collecting wagons from the Yankees. So he brought 2,000, I think, wagons back to Robert E. Lee. But Robert E. Lee said, where have you been? He said, uh, well, I've been out. I brought you 2,000 wagons. He said, they're useless to me. I, didn't ne I did not need you to fight that fight. I needed you to be in your place to fight the fight you're supposed to fight. Amen. You're going to learn a lot by these battles. So Robert Lee basically fighting blind. So then he makes several mistakes, you know. And so when they come to Gettysburg, then they, uh, you know, the old style of fighting, right, is uh, you just get the troops, mass them up, and start marching out and see who runs out of bullets first. I mean, there's like <laughs> 50,000 casualties in three days. 